Thanks for pressing play. If you love the serendipitous magic that can only occur in a real dialogue, you're in the right place. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. And listeners like you have made us in the top 0.5% of 4 million podcasts worldwide. And thank you for that. And you see, we are the Real Dialogue Podcast, or some people call us an oddcast, for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and category designers with a different mind. And on this episode, one of my absolute favorite people in the, if you will, creator world, Lenny Rogitsky, is here. And a few episodes ago, um, if you're a regular listener, you heard us drop my visit with Lenny on his podcast into the Follow Your Different feed. Well, subsequent to that conversa- conversation, conversation, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to have a podcast, Lockhead, you should learn how to talk. Uh, subsequent to that conversation, I invited Lenny to come on Follow Your Different. I love this guy. He specializes in deeply researched product, growth, and career advice, particularly for those in the startup slash uh, tech world. And Lenny's newsletter on Substack is the number one paid business Substack. And try as we might with category pirates, we've been unable to catch them. (laughs) And I think that's great. Uh, Lenny's podcast is also legendary. I invite you to check it out wherever you get legendary podcasts. And I must tell you, I actually pay for Lenny's newsletter. I think it's that good. And we get into all of it, uh, how Lenny does what he does. Uh, There's some powerful learnings here for marketers and creators and really anybody who wants to design a legendary career. Uh, I think you're going to absolutely love this very special conversation with Lenny. Now. If you're a marketer, an entrepreneur who wants to grow your business beyond SEO, beyond traditional funnels, maybe it's time for you to think about building a legendary community. And that's where my friends at Mighty Networks come in. They specialize in harnessing people power. That is to say, when you get a group of people with shared interests together, magic can happen. And that's why you need a Mighty Network. As a matter of fact, at Category Pirates, we have built our content and courses and community on Mighty Networks. That's how much we think of it. And I got to tell you, building a community, doing online education has been uh, more joy than I could ever imagine. It really is a powerful way to not just mobilize your community or the community you're trying to build, but way more importantly, to connect a group of like-minded people to make a giant difference. And frankly, I think this community-first, people-magic approach to dealing with folks, to dealing with customers, is the future of marketing. So uh, go ahead and check out my friends at MightyNetworks.com. And if you want to learn how to be a category designer, check us out at CategoryPirates.com. Get ready for Lenny. Now, as Joey Ramone said, hey-ho. Let's go. Well, Lenny, it is great to see you. How are you, brother? I'm great. Life's good. No complaints. And uh, I, again, want to start by a huge tip of the hat. And I, I was thinking about this after our session on your podcast and, 
you know, continuing to consume your work. And I love your Twitter feed, by the way. Um, I think I love your Twitter feed as much as I love the podcast and, and the, your newsletter itself. There's, I, I like what you do on Twitter a lot. Thanks for participating in that feed. I, I love to play with your feed. I love to see what you're posting and, uh, I love being able to wave at you and cheer you on. And <laughs> Appreciate it. And here's what I was thinking about you. I think that in the startup entrepreneurial product, uh, how to build product, how to think about product, how to do product management, how to do product marketing, I, I think you stand alone. I think you are the category king. I think as a broad, I don't know if that's a question, but I think as a, I think there's people that are really good at very specific elements of that, of that series of things you shared, but I think I try to stay not too niche. I try, I kind of try to cover a lot of things and go really deep and say product management and growth, but uh, I'll just add, I think there are people that are extremely good at a certain uh, verticals, for example, marketing. There's some amazing marketing newsletters that I really like. Emily Kramer comes to mind. Why do you like Emily? Uh, I think of her as my newsletter for marketing. She's just like very tactical and concrete and just like, here's a, the answer to a question you have for this marketing question. And I respect that a lot. And I wish we could work together more. Very cool. Well, I would love an introduction to her. I don't know her work, mm -hmm. but I will get into it now. Yeah. Happy to do it. I also, I admire the way you do it tremendously. I think the way you do what you do as well as what you do, are equally valuable. I think there's some people in the marketing startup world, you know, at the extreme, there are the hustle porn stars, the Gary VDs of the world and those assholes. And there's a million assholes selling stupid courses or barking bullshit about funnels or SEO or whatever the thing is. Um, there's just a lot, there's a lot of cess in the pool. <laughs> mm. And you're so not that. And so I remember, you know, when I started as an author and a podcaster, there was a lot of people who were trying to turn me into the, those things. Because they said this was the pathway to success. It's, it's all about you and the selfie and the Part, you know, barking stupidities into your phone about uh, all this stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the me disease and personal brand, like it's just so many people in the world in which you and I are in chose that, what I would call path of uh, egotistical insanity. Mm. And, and yet you didn't Why are you so different? <laughs> Wow. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I think it's just, I don't, I don't know if there's like a strategy here. I think it was just, this is how I am and how I want to approach it. And I'm always turned off by people that are clearly thirsty for followers and subscribers. And they're just like, I'm going to, you know, like famously copy a Wikipedia entry and then tweet it and then I'll get a bunch of followers. Uh, but the thing is it works and people do it. Um, I just don't want to do it that way. So I, that's, that's as simple as that. I just decided not to do it that way. And then and I think people appreciate it when it doesn't come across as I'm just trying to convince, I'm just trying to gain followers instead of I'm just trying to provide some value. And if you find this useful, follow me. There's this quote someone actually shared on a podcast that really resonates along these lines uh, from Einstein. Seek not to be of success, but to be of value. And that's basically what I've been doing. 
Well, you do a legendary job. I, I think you're the greatest at it. Um, it. Certainly in the startup product growth marketing area, um, no question. And so it appears to me as a consumer and as somebody who pays for your work, it appears to me there are there is a, if not multiple, through lines through your work. And I have my interpretation about that, but I'm I'm very curious, does it feel like to you, Lenny, that there is a or multiple threads or through lines or trends that that tie together a lot of your work? Hmm. I'm curious what you imagine when you say a through line or a thread. The way I think about it is I have this puzzle board of questions founders, product builders have over time as they build products. All the questions that they'll ever have is, is like this puzzle board and every puzzle piece is a question that they have along the journey. And what I aim to do is come up with a great answer to every question that they have. For example, what is what is a good growth rate for my startup? What is good retention? How do I find my first 10 users? How do I hire my first product manager? There's just these questions that recur again and again. And so I'm just kind of essentially trying to answer them all over time, which is this potentially never ending quest. And I don't know, I think there's a limit that goes to infinity basically, but as a goal, I think it'll get me pretty far. So that's the broad idea. And then maybe another way of thinking about this through line, essentially I have this kind of like core focus of product management and growth. And then there's all these adjacencies that connect to that, that are interesting to me. And so I explore them like career stuff, um, hiring stuff, just product in general, leadership, things that are kind of like startups, all these startup questions. Yeah. And there's kind of like these Venn diagrams that overlap. And I know there's all this advice people share of, uh, oh, that's so cute. Your cat's in the, in the frame. No one's going to see it except me. How lucky am I? This is, uh, this is our dog bean. He looks like a cat, but he, (laughs) he, he identifies as a dog and you can see when I hold him up like this, he's, he's a 20 pounder. (laughs) I oh, man. and he's my best friend <laughs> oh can you so hear him sweet. purring I, I can can you hear that this is yeah this is an asmr uh, <laughs> version of so he likes to hang out in the studio and if he if he puts his butt in your face i apologize right now he's got it, his butt in my face come here buddy sorry That's i didn't mean to interrupt cute. you Lenny. all good i interrupted myself uh so anyway yeah venn diagrams basically i'm trying to do focus, but also have these interesting things. Oh, I guess the reason for that is I find a lot of people are told you just want to focus on one thing and become known for that one thing. But if I were to focus on just product management, for example, I would be so bored if I have to spend all my time just thinking about this one area. And I find it important to have other areas that are close enough that keep me interested, that keep me going, because otherwise you just run out of steam and what the heck are you doing? Why did you create this job for yourself that you don't really enjoy? And it's one of the things I love about you. It's also, to me, an interpretation I have of why you do that. You tell me if this is true. Is people who love your work are people. And they're not just product people, startup people, growth Mm -hmm. marketing people. They're also people people who have other interests. And so you feather in, be it career or other things, um, that maybe are a little bit off the core Mm -hmm. niche down of, product, product growth, growth, marketing, startup. Yeah. You take us on a little bit of a, but not crazy ones. Uh, you know, I take people on crazy magical mystery tours. You, you, you take us on 
uh, uh, less crazy and a little more obviously adjacent magical mystery. Uh, I did just have a, a newborn new parent gift guide, and that's that one's a little out there just because <laughs> I had a kid recently. I'm like, here's all my favorite stuff. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but yeah, there's random stuff like that. I'm gonna do one on like my podcast stack, like all my hardware and software I used. So there's some random stuff like that, but generally, generally, uh, the bus is on, on the tracks. Yeah, generally, the bus is on the tracks. There's another fascinating thing about your work that I grappled deeply with. So uh, let me take a step back and set context. So when we wrote Snow Leopard, what we were trying to figure out was it was a, stu- it was a study based on data science of the best-selling nonfiction business books of the last 20 years and trying to come up with a, uh, a lens through which we could analyze the data. And one of the components of the, we created this thing we call the content pyramid. And one of the sort of ahas here, I think we talked about it when I was on your podcast. I can't, I think we did, but the, the, the idea of obvious and non-obvious content, right? And so you hear tipping point, that's a non-obvious the subtitle of the book is something like how small ideas become very big things or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Much more obvious subtitle. Do you have it back there? I do. I'm going to grab it. Oh, yeah. I'd love so to know. I, I should know the exact subtitle. See if you can find it. That'd be awesome. There it is. What does it how say? How legendary writers create a category of one. Oh, that, well, that's no leopard. Yes, exactly. So anyway, in there, we, we propose this idea of obvious and non-obvious. And as we played with that lens, I'm honored. As we played with in there. What's that? Look at that. I have my post-it in here where yeah. I left off when I was reading it. Awesome. Halfway through. Um, well, you're the king of this. And your work tilts much more obvious than certainly category pirates and most of the things that I do, uh, which is why I think it's massively more popular because... What we discovered when writing Snow Leopard is obvious application of ideas really resonates with people. One of the, one of the greatest selling nonfiction books is, is actually has one title, no subtitle, um, Think and Grow Rich. It's a radically obvious, uh, intriguing title. However, my problem with radical obvious historically, Lenny, has been It's great when you're a beginner. So if you're just new to painting and you want to take a a how to be a painter class and they teach you the base, I don't know shit about painting, but they teach you the basics about these paints and that paints and these brushes and this, that, and the other. I have no idea what basics, I have no idea. That's exactly what you need. And and you don't want the uh, super advanced thinking new new age breakthrough or, you know, like I've taught many uh, kids in our world how to drive. You want to do very radically obvious things, gas, brake, you know, mirrors, et cetera, et cetera. And so business content for me, you know, I've been in business for 37 years. The obvious stuff is generally not interesting. And there's a lot of, to sort of maybe where we started, Lenny, what you might think of as stupid obvious. And that stuff... I find irritating to slightly angering. And so people who live in the more obvious world, I'm generally not very attracted to because it's not my thing. I like what we describe at Category Pirates as thinker's high. And yes, when you're trying to learn a new skill, 
how to launch a podcast, when I was launching a podcast, of course you want that obvious content. Here's my point. You tilt, in my opinion, much more obvious. However, you don't, in my opinion, drift to the stupid obvious. So even though if I say, I don't know, let me just guess 70% of your content is fairly obvious. And what I mean by that is there's a obvious practical application of what you're doing. It's not an assessment of the value of it, far from it. But obvious in that I read Lenny's newsletter. You told me something about how to figure out my ideal customer profile or whatever the thing is that you taught me, often with a guest, but sometimes not. And now I can go work on that thing. And so there's a practical application of the idea. And you can argue about how obvious or non-obvious the idea was. And I love that about you. And so my question is, how are you able to do smart, obvious, and practical when so much obvious and practical content is either stupid or very beginner-oriented, neither of which is true in my experience of your work. I think part of it is I just keep a very high bar for what I put out. I I, I actively, my mind actively looks for, is this just like really, un, really obvious is, is one way to put it? Like, is this just stuff everyone's already going to know? And is this interesting to me? I pay attention to, do I find this interesting? So that's one is... I just keep a high bar. And I know that's like a vague answer, but most of it is just like, is this actually going to be useful to people? And I just push myself to think that way. And then two is, I think I probably just do it better than anyone else because I spend more time on it than anyone else. I, I do this full time. So I have a lot of time to make things great. And so every post I write, uh, I, I don't even know how many revision edit, history edits there are, but I'm just constantly refining, refining, refining until it feels really strong. So I think it's probably both those things is the answer is uh, I keep a high bar. And that's something I've had from the beginning. Just like make sure this is something high quality that I'm really proud of. And then two is just spend more time on it than anyone else. And clearly it's providing value to people. Uh, clearly we'll get to that in a second. So you said something amazing there. You said you have a lot of time mm. to make things great. Can you pop the hood on that a little bit for me, Lenny? Yeah. Like a lot of people try to write, try to do things along the lines that I do, but they also have a full-time job. And I can't imagine doing this with a full-time job. Like my brain is always, was always fried at the end of the, the workday. And there's just not a lot of time to actually put into stuff. And so with this work, there's kind of this flywheel that happens where you do something awesome along, like start a newsletter that's doing great. Then you can get to a point where you don't have to work full time or you can work part time. So then you have more time to work on it because it's going great. And now that you have more time on it, it becomes better. And in theory, you have even more time because then you could have no other job. And because it's better, it keeps growing and you have more opportunity and basically it keeps building on itself until you actually have too many other opportunities coming at you. There's like this, oh, you're too successful. Now everyone wants you to do a podcast, do a book, all these other things. So you have to be careful saying no to a lot of things. But most of the, I think honestly, a big advantage I have more than anyone is I just have no other job. And so I can just spend more time on this. Like every post takes maybe 10 hours 
on average. Some posts take 100 hours that I work on for a while. So I think there's a large advantage there. Anyone can do this if they can find the time. Like anyone can spend more time on it if they find some opportunity, some way to do that. So I get that. There's part of my brain that agrees with what you're saying. And I also think, well, there's a lot of people trying to be like Lenny. And I hope we get a chance to talk about this today, but I think being a creator is now the ultimate job. And I think everybody who historically has identified themselves as a knowledge worker, as being at the top of the value pyramid, if you will, is increasingly going to discover that in a world where the value of or access to knowledge is ubiquitous and getting as close to zero as it's ever been, that people who uh, acquire and apply knowledge are quickly be not becoming the top of the kind of value pyramid in the world. It's the people who can create net new knowledge or net new things um, that are the most valuable. And so I think that it's one thing to have the time, which is great. And I think you're right. And I like to write and I'll sit in the garden and I'll work on a paragraph for 45 minutes if that's what's required. And I love giving myself time. Like innovation is not a thing you can schedule from 1.30 to 2.30 on Thursdays. However, it's what you do with the time, Lenny. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Your Lenniness is very distinct. And there are people who might put in equal time and not produce anywhere near the result. And so maybe tell me about this high bar. Well, I didn't I didn't mean to imply that was the only reason this was successful. I think that's just one of the key components is I just have more time to work on something to make it better and better. I'd say other components that uh, contributed to this thing working well is when I have a actual background in the stuff I'm writing about. There's a lot of people just putting out content that they don't know anything about and they're focusing on what do people want to hear about versus what do I actually know something about and what am I excited and curious to explore and learn about. And this touches on just something a lot of people talk about is when you're, say, writing a newsletter or working on a podcast, you're not doing this because you know everything. A lot of it is doing this so that you can learn it better and crystallize your thinking more clearly. Writing often is the best way to actually figure out what you think. So I think it needs to come from a place of like, actually, I'm curious about this topic and I want to learn it more and I'm going to write about it. So... So one was I have a background in the space. Uh, I forget what the other thing I said was, but but so those are additional elements. Um, and then the high bar question, I guess just like zooming out, the thing I think is most important to, I guess, content, and I hate calling myself a content creator or anything like that. I'm just like writing a newsletter. That's how I like to describe myself. I have a newsletter. I'm writing a newsletter. I have a podcast. I think the most important parts of the success are just consistency and quality. If you can just make it high quality and consistent over time, things are going to go great. So then coming back to what is what is the high bar and what is high quality? One simple way of thinking about it is just, one is just uh, cutting out all the fluff. Something I've learned again and again in writing is just people's introductions are always way too long. Just like cut the introduction, jump straight to the content of what you're trying to say. Um you can often cut like 30% of the words you've put in your thing. Just like find 30% 30, 30 of things to cut. It just dilutes your your value. 
And then uh, in terms of, okay, so then I don't know. Okay, let me go back to you. Is there any, I, I've been, I've shared a bunch of random stuff. Uh, <laughs> where do you want to go with this? Well, if I just, I think the high bar one is an easy thing for people yeah. to skate by. Mm-hmm. And um, it's incredibly powerful. I'll share with you a quick story. As I think you might remember, I, um, I was a CMO of three publicly traded companies and I've hired lots of marketing people and product people and, and, and you name it and outside people and people internally and da, 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 da. And I've been involved with all kinds of projects from building software to building the website to building the business model, everything in between. Whenever anybody comes to me to show me something, I'll tell you a specific story. So last company I was CMO of, we sold the company for $5 billion to Hewlett Packard. HP at the time was the largest software acquisition they'd ever done. It was the largest acquisition they'd done uh, um, since they'd bought Compaq, blah, blah, blah. So it was an important thing for all of us. And the gal who was the head of marketing for HP asked me to participate in um, how the company was going to market the acquisition. And one of the things they wanted to do was run uh, an advertising campaign, including some full page ads in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. And they had a very well-known um, San Francisco-based, a very, very famous ad agency uh, who's done, who've done some of the most popular campaigns in the last 20 and 30 years. So we get into this meeting. They're going to present us the campaign with the ads. And because it's HP, there's 247 people in the meeting. And you got to start the meeting off by introducing everybody including the people from the agency and da, 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 da. And I'm sitting next to the CMO. She's in charge. You know, I'm there as the, whatever the guys that got to get to boat, but I'm, I'm the guy that's about to get fired, but I'm there. So we go around, everybody introduces himself, blah, blah, blah. And she says to me, her name's Deb Nelson. She says to me, Christopher, do you have anything that you'd like to say? And I said, yes. I asked the folks from the very, super ding dong agency in San Francisco. Do you think what you're about to show us is legendary? Mm-hmm. And the head guy on the account from the agency said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what I mean is this is HP at the time, the largest technology company in the world. You guys are fill in the blank name of a very big ding dong agency. This is a big software, biggest software acquisition, in the company's history. I think the bar is legendary. So do you think that what you're about to show us, the quote unquote creative, is legendary? And in front of this entire group of people, the head account person on this agency said, to Deb, the head of marketing, can we have 24 hours? So I think, I don't know if you're, <laughs> if you're going to keep going, but that's, no, a, that's, that's the story. A, okay. That's a really good reminder of something I, yeah, that I sort of touched on, but I think is incredibly important is to use your own instinct to tell you if this is interesting and good. Um, like when I look at stuff I'm writing, I'm like, is this interesting to me? Like, is there, is there something surprising about what I'm sharing? Or is this just like, that's eh, cool. Like, I, I don't think of like, will people be like, wow, I'm so excited to see this versus like, am I finding this interesting and new. So I think the point that I took away from your story is that trusting your own uh, instinct and feeling about what you're writing is really important. So just looking at it again, and as you're writing, I find actually as I'm writing, 
I come up with a thought. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually really interesting. And that goes away later. And I forget that that's that interesting. But paying attention to that immediate, like, oh, wow, this is this is new. I haven't thought of it this way before. is really powerful. And so the more of those little nuggets you can include, which connects to your snow leopard pyramid at the non-obvious connections, the more you can include in your work, the better. And actually, after reading your book, that's something I think about a lot now. Is just what are the more non-obvious things I can take away from this? Like I'm looking at all this data I'm gathering. What are more non-obvious things that come out of this? And it takes a lot of brain work. I'm just like sitting there. Okay, what else is there here? So um, it's a great story. Reminds me of a great of a great uh, component of what makes this work. Well, thank you, and Lenny. I think you do. I think you're intuitive about this. That's what I think is great about you, because generally your kind of content I'm not that interested in, and it's not the sweet spot, you know, because I'm. Uh, I like the thinkers high. So I like things that really make me think. Um, The interesting thing about your work is even though it tilts very obvious in terms of obvious application, how to go do X, um, it always does make you think. And that's, I think, the difference between what I would call your smart obvious with a powerful sprinkling of non-obvious with the generic sort of 101 obvious or the one that pisses me off, which is the stupid obvious, which mm-hmm. is where most of the kind of creator online douchebag world seems to want to live. Yeah, that's actually it also reminds me. I very actively avoid pontification content. I I'm not that smart, and I don't have these incredible insights into the future and trends, and like that's not my strength. And to be good at this pontification genre, where you're just sharing big ideas, the bar is very high. Like there's very few people like you that can do this well and consistently. And I never thought I would be great at that. So I avoid, I actually actively avoid pontificating. And instead it's, here's an answer to a very concrete question. I'm here to give you that. I'm not going to give you uh, analysis on what's happening in, in the world. And that actually is part of the reason I think it's been successful. It's very not, here's some big ideas. And on the podcast, I do the exact same thing. It's not, here's some big ideas. Here's like an answer. Here's a better way to, prioritize your roadmap. Here's a better way to come up with a vision or strategy. It's very tactical. And that's like the description of the podcast. It's like concrete, actionable, tactical advice. It's not, let's think big about the world. And and I think, it, yeah, you can do that. It's just the bar is really high. There's a lot of people that are doing that and try to do that. And uh, the bar is really high because of that. Uh, I agree as somebody who, who tilts way more in the other area, the non-obvious thinking area than the obvious application area. Mm. Uh, the, the other thing, and I, it's probably more me, but if you're going to be in the thinking pontification uh, type place, I think you probably have to be ready for a lot more uh, criticism and upset and, and so forth, particularly if you're going to take strong yeah. positions on things. Absolutely. Uh, and those are the positions you want to take because that's the most interesting to people. Like they want to hear something non-obvious. Like, obviously, if you're sharing not obvious things, people will be like, no way, you're wrong. Yeah. So I think you put yourself in the, in the hot seat innately going that direction. Yeah. Well, some of us just like to mix it up whether <laughs> we can't really help ourselves. Pirates. That's what pirates like, mixing it up. And so um, how long has it been since you went full time? Remind me. I started this uh, four years ago around. I, I had a year-long exploration where I gave myself six months to explore something new after I left Airbnb. I was there for seven years. And then six months later, I was like, I'm not ready to decide on where I'm going to go. And I had all these different things I was exploring. 
And so I gave myself another six months. So there was a year of, let's just try a bunch of stuff. And towards the end of that year, I realized, hey, this newsletter is working. I should just, I should focus on this. So uh, including that, it's been about four years now. What an amazing amount of ground you've covered in an incredibly short period of time, Lenny. I mean, you have the number one Substack by a mile. I know for, that. For business, there, yeah. There was a point in time where Category Pirates was chasing you. <laughs> mm, I remember that. I remember that. I was looking at the leaderboards. I think we got <laughs> to two once. I know we for sure got to three. We might have gotten to two. And we're like, are we ever mm. going to catch Lenny? And we're like, we're never going to catch Lenny. <laughs> you just continue to smoke. Um, it's, and that's just in the business category, to be clear. We're not like the number one on all of Substack. No, but you're number one in the business category by like a mile, by like a galaxy. It's not even close. I know because we got real close and then you just whiffed by us. So we couldn't catch you. And so I love that. And so when did you realize, wait a minute, this is not like my interim job. This is not what I'm doing till I get my next job. This is like now what I'm doing. And oh, by the way, and I don't want to overly talk too much about money, but from a uh, a financial p- perspective, you know, you just had a child, you're building a life, you're a somewhat younger person, you know, the economics of this shit has to matter. And mm-hmm. so when did it sort of get clear to you? Like, wow, wait a minute, this could actually be a great living for me. I'd say there's three moments along, along the journey. One is when the, in this phase of exploring a bunch of things, I was thinking about starting another company. I had all these ideas I was exploring and prototyping. I was doing some advising and consulting. Maybe that was going to be my future. And then I started this writing on the side, mostly to remember the things I'd learned so that if I were to start a company, I didn't have to relearn them. I'd be like, oh, here's the things we're going to kind of base our company around, these learnings from my startup previously and Airbnb and things like that. So I was doing that for many months, writing a newsletter once a week, essentially. And the whole time, my wife was like, what are you doing writing? You're... You're not a writer. You can't make money on the internet writing. This is not this is not your thing. <laughs> I've never written anything before. What are you doing? And I was like, yeah, you're right. What am I doing? But I kept doing it because it was interesting. People liked it. I found I found it interesting myself. And I had this really important conversation with a friend who I was talking about. Like, I don't like I keep spending time in this writing this writing thing. I don't know if I should kill it or maybe pursue it. And he's just like, okay, look at this. You've you found something you enjoy. People seemed to really value it because it was getting spread and my newsletter was growing and and those things. And he's like, okay, how often do you find anything that you enjoy that people value that could maybe lead to some future income? He's like, that never really happens. And even if there's no real path to this making money, just, just see what happens if you were to pursue that path for a while. And that changed my plans. I basically stopped working on the startup at that point and just double down on, let me just work on this newsletter thing and see if it can go somewhere. And I had no plans to charge for it really. So that was step one is just like realizing that that could actually work. And then I'll just share step two and let me know if you have any <laughs> follow-ups. But step two is essentially, uh, I was started doing this for every, every week and I did it for nine months every week. And something at nine months shifted in my brain and I realized, okay, I've been doing this for nine months I could do, like, I have ideas for another year, at least, of things I could write about. It's still growing. People seem to continue to value it. I think I could do this as a thing. So I decided to launch the paid plan at that point. Because once you launch paid, you can't just stop it. People are paying you every month. 
in theory, I have to do this for the rest of my life because people are paying a yearly plan. And so at least a year, but to kill it would be like to stop it. I'd have to shut it down. And that would be really sad, which segues to your last question about the income. It's actually uh, quite meaningful. It's much, much more than it made at Airbnb, both salary and stock combined. It's a, a very surprising uh, source of income. This newsletter plus the podcasts basically doubled it. So uh, I never expected that, but I'm thankful that it worked out this way. Excuse me for not knowing. I, yeah. I listen to a free podcast of yours. Is there also a subscriber podcast or is, is the podcast revenue um, uh, advertiser sponsor? Yep. Yeah, it's ads. So the newsletter is subscription. The podcast is ads. And what percentage of the newsletter do you give away for free versus uh, you have to pay for? I publish once a week. Three out of four are paid and one out of four is free. But I also send a preview of the paid post to everybody. So there's a paywall, basically three out of four posts. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing, uh, uh, I have a couple of big questions that I want to get to before we end. But while we're here, um, you know, of course, I do similar things. I have a podcast. I have a newsletter, da-da-da, uh, books, blah, blah, blah. And my experience of being your guest made me think, wow, I am radically unprofessional and clearly unorganized. I mean, the level of, and there's nothing magic about the way you manage it, because I've experienced it firsthand now. You just do the smart, basic things that I think most of us, for sure myself included, don't do. You manage the guests very carefully on the front end. You let them know when the thing's coming out. You build all the assets. You send the guest all the assets. You do the pre-posts and the after -post. All the things that we know we're supposed to do that in my case, I'm like, ah, I'm just, I'm just a pirate banging my way through the digital world. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, the income is not a primary driver at all for me. So mm -hmm. I just sort of do the basic amount of thing. And then I don't do all the professional shit that you're really supposed to do that Lenny X and I've guested on a bazillion podcasts. I have never been on a podcast that was more professional than yours pre and post. I've never experienced a podcast host that was more prepared than you. I mean, you are in a league of just executing the basics like nobody else. And so that somewhere along the line, Lenny, you must have said, I'm going to commit to being upside and down a professional here. I appreciate all that. I didn't realize, I didn't know all that. So that's nice. Oh, to hear. you're, look, and I know all the things you're doing. And people told me to do all those things and da 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 da. I just don't fucking do them. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, maybe I'm a hack. Fair enough. But even the quote unquote professional podcasters, they, you know, they don't do anywhere near the level of precision professionalism that you do. I appreciate it. Um, I guess to answer your question, part of it is just, this is just the way I am. I just want to do things really well. And I think that's the reason the newsletter has done well. Again, it's just keeping a really high bar. Like that was a very clear value of the newsletter when I started. Keep a very high bar for quality. And it continued with the podcast. With the podcast, I brought on a producer, uh, this company pen name that like they get credit for all these things they're they have this whole system in place already before we even started working so uh big props to those guys 
Um, but it all comes back to, I just try to do everything I can at a really high bar because I feel like to do well at this, basically people need to trust me. Like a lot of this work is trust, people trusting you. And to gain that trust and keep that trust, you need to keep things high quality. And I always fear as soon as I lower that quality bar, things start to fall apart over time. It doesn't happen immediately. Like I get something wrong in a post, something I'm always afraid of. Like I do all this data analysis. And if I mistake, if I get something wrong, that takes away from that trust. You know, there's like this concept of a trust battery. You charge the battery by doing things that build trust and sap the battery that kill trust. So those things kind of sap the battery over time. Um, so I try really hard basically to build that trust battery and keep it charged because I think that's the key to a lot of this work is keeping that trust with readers and, and listeners. Well, and here's the power of what you do. Um, you and I had never met. You and I had never spoken. To the best of my memory, I don't remember a one-on-one -on -one digital interaction until you invited me. And when you invited me, A, I knew who, exactly who you were. B, I knew exactly what you did because not only are we in the same world, but you've established yourself incredibly. And your, in my interpretation, obvious excellence, obvious quality, and obvious uh, impact were very, very clear. Mm -hmm. And so when you send me a note that says, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast, I'm like, I get to go hang out with the Lenny. And you're, like I said, on your podcast, I don't even really know, how do we pronounce your last name? Uh, Richitsky. Yeah, it's complicated. Richitsky. Richitsky. There we go. Now everyone, now everyone can have a sound bite. Rich, Richitsky. See, Richitsky. The reason Richitsky. I never even bothered to get it right is because, as far as I'm concerned, you're like Madonna or Adele or Cher. You're just Lenny. <laughs> right. I'll take it. But my point is what you've built, and this is something I think people get very confused about. They own. Lenny has a great personal brand. <laughs> Lenny doesn't have a personal brand at all. Lenny has a digital reputation based on incredibly high quality work in a very clear niche where he has established himself as a leader. And so when you reach out to somebody, there's this great, I, I don't know who said it, Lenny. It's a great quote. Who you are speaks so loudly. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> hmm. You know, I get invited on all kinds of podcasts, as I know you do. And sometimes it can be very hard to figure out who to say yes to and who not. And da-da-da-da-da, we don't have infinite time. And yet when you show up in somebody's inbox, they're like, yeah, fucking Lenny's in my inbox. Even though I don't, you know, I, I don't know you when you send me that note. So it's worked yeah. incredibly powerfully. That's great. That's the goal. And just, I guess, real quick to... I, I had a thought as you were talking, like the reason the team put so much effort into all of that prep and post recording work is to make the content as great as possible. Like it's a very selfish, I guess, thing to do is we're just trying to, how do we create the best insights and extract the most wisdom from someone? And we find that these sorts of things help just like, here's when we're going to record. Here's, we send people a mic if they don't have a mic because you realize like the content is the audio that comes out of this whole thing. So how do we make the audio 
sound great and the words be as insightful interest, and interesting as possible. So that's where a lot of the time goes is coming up with great questions, making sure you're ready and prepped and excited and and then just making sure you're happy with the result. Like, I just want to make everyone look awesome. I'm not there to just like catch people off guard. Like, I want this to be the thing you share with everyone. Here's like, here's everything you need to know about my stuff. Just like, listen to this podcast. Well, and frankly, our podcast together was so awesome. And I felt exactly that way about it, that we dropped it as an episode of Lockhead on Marketing. And sooner or later, we'll drop it into the Follow Your Different feed as well, because I thought it was the most, as I explained to people, it was the most thorough public podcast discussion I've had about category design in as long as I can remember. Mm. So um, incredible. Okay, now a couple of things. What are a few product growth ideas that you have learned, discovered, synthesized from others, heard from others over the last handful of years that you think are the most impactful, regardless of where they might sit on the obvious, non-obvious scale? If I was a new, younger person, newer person, I developed a great product and now I was thinking, okay, I want to launch this product and, and, and drive a lot of growth. You've probably learned more about this question than almost anybody. What would you have me know? These questions are always hard for me because I don't have this like uh, indexed uh, directory in my brain of here is the synthesized lessons from everyone I've talked to <laughs> to pay attention to. So I... I like to me when I think about like you asking me this is now going to make me want to write a post. What are like the most uh, interesting, surprising new kind of ways to grow? Because that's this is what I do is I just like have a question and I have like the answer to you. And I'm like, cool, let me go find the answer to you. So, so that's part of the answer to you. Uh, two is I'll just say that. By the way, if oh, you yeah. decide to write that post, mm, mm. send it to me okay. and we'll make yeah. sure it's in the show notes for this episode because I would okay. really love the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Let's see what comes up. Uh, the other thing I'll add is everyone's always looking for like the new thing or some silver bullet that's going to help them. But it turns out it's almost always the same stuff everyone's doing, but you just have to be better at it. So if you think about what are ways to grow, there's like two phases to growth. There's getting things started and then there's scaling it and building it over time. So just from a growth perspective, there's only like four ways to grow long-term in uh, sustainably. Uh, SEO slash content stuff, uh, paid ads, Facebook or Google, sales, like a sales team, or word of mouth and virality. Everyone grows almost all from one of those four channels. So something you got to figure out for your business is which of those four is going to be your primary, I call them growth engines, which is going to be your primary growth engine. Most companies grow mostly from one. So like, Pinterest, mostly SEO. Uh, Airbnb, mostly word of mouth. How lucky. And virality, people sharing with each other. That's you know that's the best one if you can make that work. Very hard to do. Uh, Booking.com and Credit Karma, all paid ads. Very paid ad driven. And then sales, basically every B2B company is sales driven. So that's the thing you got to figure out. And then we could talk about like how you know which of those four is most likely going to work for you. Because you can't just be like, I will do SEO. Like it has to fit naturally into the business you're building usually to work well. Then for kickstarting, getting your first 10,000 users, there's for consumer B2B, it's very different for B2B. Mostly it's just doing things that don't scale, reaching out. Cold emails actually work. Cold LinkedIn really works well, turns out. Um, getting introductions from your friends, going to your friends and friends of friends works really well. So a lot of it is just like putting in the time. And getting your first 10 customers 
And often companies can't find 10 customers that want what they are selling anyway. So, so you're probably not building some people want and you're gonna have trouble anyway. And then on the consumer side, how do you get your first 8,000 users? There's so many ways. Get it someone with a larger audience to share you, share and talk about you. Uh, make an awesome viral video that people share and spread. That works for a few people. Uh, getting some press here and there. That works for some companies. Um, working through some network, like getting into some community and everyone talking about it. Like there's all these high school apps where you get into like an influencer at a high school and then they spread it to all their friends. So those are some ways. Those are the top of mind. Um, let me know what comes up when I share all that. Well, I so I love all of it. Um, SEO slash content, paid ads, direct sales Say, force, yeah. Wong. And then, and then word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, what I like about making that, that simple is saying, okay, what's our primary? And of course, a lot of yeah. companies will have a mix of all four or yeah. a mix of two. Eventually everyone, yeah. Eventually everyone does all four, except for consumer companies usually don't have sales team. Yeah. I mean, they call on a channel, but not direct yeah. to consumer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And so with your business, which would you say of those? So now I want to kind of pivot to advice that you have for creators. Mm-hmm. You know, we're working on this book called Paid to Create. Mm-hmm. We believe deeply that most people don't understand what's happening. Uh, as we shift to the native digital world, as the acceleration of AI has happened at a speed with which none of us could have possibly anticipated, the more able you are to create net new, as opposed to simply, if I could put it in air quotes, apply knowledge, but also create knowledge, the more valuable you will be in the, in this new world. So as I think about you as a creator, and I consider you a pioneer in this domain, um, and I mean, you could leave what you're doing now and go into any kind of a product management, product marketing growth type role at any major tech company at any red hot startup. And they would shower you with cash and stock and they'd have people waving tulip roses and feeding you grapes and shit. And I don't know what. And so the fact that you would turn that down, what I know is a barrage of incredible opportunities to go work somewhere and or advise somewhere for you to stay, stay where you are means something economically, never mind the joy that you get, um, which is very evident. So anyway, long story longer, I think people want to know how to be Lenny. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so of those four, how have they evolved? How do you how have you thought about them historically? How is it for you now? Yep. Okay. So coming back to the same way, it just described growth. There's the getting started, and then there's the overtime. How do things grow? On the overtime, how do things grow? I think for this to work, it really all has to be word of mouth. I tried Twitter ads. I tried Facebook ads. I tried LinkedIn ads. I tried all the things there just to see, like, is this going to do anything? And when you look at the growth chart. Anything I've tried that isn't just people sharing the newsletter because they found it interesting is just like the tiniest of blips along the journey. It, it, it's insignificant. I've also tried cross-promoting with the newsletters, going and cross-promoting podcasts. None of that does anything. It's all except at the beginning. So let's talk about that. But over time, the only thing that really drives this thing is, is word of mouth. 
you could argue like YouTube and TikTok, there's the algorithm that drives growth for you. So I think that is also true, but I think that's mostly the same idea. It's just essentially they're realizing your stuff's great and we're going to share with everyone. So I think there's like ways you could optimize that from like, you know, giving YouTube what they want. But I don't think too much about that. I think mostly just make something people find really valuable, want to share with their friends and things are going to go great. Like that's the core uh, <laughs> lesson. Uh, and so over time, I think you have to grow all through word of mouth, people sharing it with each other, essentially. Uh, to get started, though, there's a few things I did. Uh, I guest posted in a couple of newsletters that were in the same space. I wrote something that was really popular and I got some initial traction that people spread with each other. I was started tweeting and building a Twitter following while I was writing. I was just extracting all the best nuggets from my writing on Twitter and just here's the very quick lesson and kept doing that. So that built Twitter and then Twitter helped me grow the newsletter. People on Twitter learning about the newsletter, going to check it out. So that was a great source of early traffic and continues to be. Before you go away from Twitter, um, you seem to be more successful on Twitter than LinkedIn. Am I, is that correct or no? It's actually not. It's actually more, more traffic comes from LinkedIn than Twitter. I just enjoy Twitter more. And so I just, and it's more fun. Things feel like they're more alive and things are clicking, hearts are flying. Uh, so no, actually LinkedIn is much more meaningful in terms of growth. It is. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. That that has been the case for us too. Mm. Uh, I have yeah. many Twitter's fun. disputes with LinkedIn, but that's a whole other I've been mm -hmm. deplatformed, I think, three times on LinkedIn. Oh, shit. What have you done? Well, they don't have a free speech policy. Am I going to get deplatformed for being associated? With you, you probably will I'm, be. Yeah, you'll I'm probably out. lose your Twitter or your, your LinkedIn account. Um, just Bitterance. I will have you know I've been replatformed re all times, and I am currently okay. replatformed. Okay, and I'm trying to play a little nicer. Um, it still pisses me off to no end that they have no free speech policy and that you could tell a bunch of obvious anti-Semites what to go do with themselves. And uh, in my case, I get deplatformed and the radical anti-Semites do not. Mm -hmm. But that's that a whole other conversation. <laughs> Let's get into it. But no, you, um, a lot of people shit on Twitter, particularly today. Uh, you're still having success on Twitter? Yeah, I love it. Twitter. Like I love, I hate it, but I love it. It's so, I think Twitter is at the, it's like as good as it's ever been. It's, it's super interesting, you know, it's painful and mental health unhealthy as, as it's ever been to. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm fighting Twitter S slash X is, is, is wonderful. I find it's better than it ever has been too. Mm, I, I mean, I have criticisms of it, da, 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 da. Yeah. But, um, and interestingly enough, I suck on Twitter. I, I don't, my Twitter audience barely grows. I'm clearly not quote unquote achieving anything of consequence on Twitter. But it's fine still fun but i enjoy it i enjoy consuming it i enjoy producing on it so i i, I even though i'm appear not to be achieving anything of consequence although yeah. hey one thing about it this is a tactical question mm -hmm. um elon hates substack and so when you go to share your newsletter and you put a link in it do you find that a link to your substack doesn't perform as well Here's the trick you got to get your own domain name that substack supports so you could have chrislockhead.com newsletter.com and they don't know they have no idea that substack they don't like go investigate who's so substack this. allows me to have my own so right yeah. now we've got uh substack.categorypirates.com and the same thing with or lockhead dot you know so that's what we've got we can get a just a a category pirates url mm -hmm. 
Oh, okay. Well, there you they go. See, sometimes yeah. the tactical obvious is incredibly valuable with somebody with a specific, with a specific need. There you go. Although uh, Twitter does de, uh, deprioritize tweets with a link in it, which is why everyone's always putting a link in the comment. I don't know if Twitter also deprioritizes that, but it's so annoying. Yeah, I've tried telling people just Google mm. category pirate substack, and I give it to them. I say, clip this and Google it. I don't know if that works anyway, whatever. And any other advice for new creators? Like people way overthink this. They're like, what should I, I got to find the right name. I got to figure out the right hosting provider. I'm not going to go with Substack. They take all the fees. I'm going to do some, my own thing. I'm going to host it. I'm going to design. It's going to be so beautiful. I have this big vision. And none of that matters. Like the only thing that matters is, are you providing high quality, useful content consistently? Everything else will fade away. So that's the that's my main piece of advice is, Focus on is this high quality and valuable to somebody? Like, are you solving a problem for someone, and or is it extremely interesting? And the bar there is very high for it to be just interesting. Uh, and are you doing it for a long time? Like, and I did this for a year before it started to really feel like it was going to work. And I've been doing this four years now. It takes time. Things don't. I will say though, this is there's never been a better time to start a newsletter because of this recommendation feature on Substack, where other newsletters can recommend you. And so you can grow much more quickly than before. There's a network that can help you grow. So it's never, it's not too late. Like when I started this thing, I thought it was, it was way too late already. And I think people will continue to be surprised how much more opportunity there is. But I'm just going to come back to the most important point is just provide value to people. Schwarzenegger has this new book called Be Useful. And I think that's the best way to summarize all this. Just be useful to people again and again and again, and good things will happen. That's it. I love it. One big question before I let you go. Mm -hmm. Has uh, becoming a new dad changed uh, you and or your work much? Mm. Well, I did have that new parent gift guide, so I'm already uh, succumbing to parent parenting content. Uh, like it's, uh, I'd say it's opened up my heart in, in some new way, which I didn't expect. So there's more just like the personal side of life has become more enriching and fulfilling we just go in there in the morning to like get him after sleeping he's just like sitting there smiling and it's so heartwarming it's our favorite thing i don't know if it's impacted my work yet other than i have less time for stuff <laughs> but i enjoy that extra that extra time that does not work lenny is there anything else i think we covered a lot of great ground chris thank you for having me you're very welcome and thank you so much for coming and um I fucking admire you, respect you, and and this may sound like a funny word, but I adore you. I think you're incredible. Oh, that's so sweet. I feel that from you uh, strongly, the the uh, support and appreciation. So really, it means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being such a big supporter. You, you're very welcome. I remember there was somebody who criticized our visit on your podcast because they they, they didn't like how much I complimented you. At the beginning, they thought it was me sucking up or some mm. some bullshit like that. But uh, no, my admiration for as as Elvis Costello once said, "My aim is true. <laughs> my admiration <laughs> is real." I really appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of what you do as well, and I'm glad that we're uh, building a, a bond. Me too. And please come back. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If there's ever anything I can help you with any of your thinking, any of your growing, any of your anything, 
you are one of the greats. And I love to see younger folks doing legendary work. And you, sir, are legendary. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I will return the favor if there's anything I can do to help you along the journey as well. Thank you, brother. All right. Bye, Chris. Thank you. Well, there he is, the legendary Lenny. And I highly, highly encourage you to uh, check out Lenny's newsletter. If you Google Lenny's newsletter, it'll come up. He's on Substack and Lenny's podcast, uh, which is on every major podcast platform. And I got to I gotta tell you, I listened to a bunch of his work. Um, he's just amazing, as you can clearly see. And as you know, word of mouth was, is, and always will be the greatest form of marketing. So if you know somebody who would appreciate this real dialogue with Lenny, why not share this podcast with them right now? Uh, your podcast player has a share button. You hit that button and send it out to your, uh, maybe your uh, 2,000 closest friends. All right. We'd like to thank you. Thank you so much, everybody here at Follow You Different. We really appreciate you investing part of your life with us. Our friends at bottleneck.online are the world's first distant assistant. If you need a legendary assistant who's a real person, powered by technology, who will never get anywhere near you, check out bottleneck.online today. And if you are looking to uh, update your website, launch a new website, check out my friends at Atrenet, A-T-R-E dot N-E-T. They've been building legendary uh, B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Check out Atre.net. And if you want to build a legendary community, if you want to start uh, doing amazing courses online uh, and, coll- and connect your content, courses, and community all in one place on one platform that you control, check out my friends at MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the platform we use and pay for uh, for Category Pirates uh, community. And if you want to learn how to be a category designer, check out CategoryPirates.com. All right, I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And it is completely illegal for Prius drivers and Tesla drivers to block the left-hand lane. Get out of the left-hand lane. Some of us are going somewhere. This oddcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and it contains content known to the state of California to cause radically non-obvious thinking, new categories, and exponential results. All oddcasts do contain nuts, and all rights do all rights do remain perturbed. <laughs> please, conti- uh, please contact your doctor, lawyer, accountant, yoga instructor, shaman, mystic. Uh, uh, chiropractor i found a recently i found an amazing chiropractor i had no idea the difference a chiropractor could make if you find the right one and of course category designer before uh doing anything about anything you heard on today's podcast um now please uh remember everything is the way that it is because somebody legendary like you changed the way that it was we're produced and edited by the greatest of all time jason DeFilippo. check out his podcast grumpy old geeks Jamie J and Sarah Knox do the technical ex- execution around here, and they build Lockhead.com. Show notes by GM Simon and the Bobus Brothers. RJ and EX do our web development, and Cedric Biros does our graphic and web design. Our law firm is Weed and Jack, and our accountants are three balance sheets to the wind. We record these oddcasts on Squadcast.fm. Check out Squadcast.fm if you want to do legendary internet-based uh, oddcasting. Don't forget that Joan Jett was right. Uh, listen to the Bare Naked Ladies. Thank you, Candy Dandy. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, 
This oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Hamas. Sorry, Hamas. We just ran out of time for you. That's it. Please stay safe, stay legendary, and until we're together again, follow your different.